Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Umbody. Getting back into the podcast groove on a little rainy day here, so if you hear some pitter-patter behind me, that's what that is, but I think I got it covered. So we're going to jump right in, and I want to spend some time today doing two things, mainly. One is kind of taking some stock now that we're about a week into SMU's return to campus and taking a look at their response to COVID-19 and also share with you some things on just how the team is is dealing with uh, the new normal uh, of working out with all of these restrictions and, and how they're handling it. So we're going to do that. We're also going to look at the quarterback room for SMU in 2020. Obviously, it's pretty cut and dry with Shane Bouchelle coming back as a starter, but I do want to kind of share some thoughts on how I think things could play out behind Shane, as well as take a look at Terrence Gibson and Will Brown and Derek Green, their development as they enter another season at SMU. We'll also touch on some podcast questions on the other side of the break, but let's start with this. SMU returned to campus last week, and SMU football did well. Zero positive COVID-19 tests. And I think that was kind of lost in the news that five SMU student athletes did end up testing positive for COVID-19. I believe three were asymptomatic, two had mild symptoms. And as we've seen a return to college football and training on campuses this summer, that's pretty much been the norm. A lot of asymptomatic, a lot of very mild symptoms. I don't really think we've even seen any hospitalizations uh, from what I have just been watching around the country. So I would say things are going as well as you could ask for uh, across college football, even though some of the numbers that you're starting to see around some programs are rather high. And here's my thought on that is one, you have a situation where this disease is easily transmittable. And so you don't want other players to get it if you can help it. And so when a player comes into contact with somebody who's tested positive, the right thing to do is quarantine them. And I look at the situation with LSU and Clemson, two programs with high numbers. Kansas State's another one who actually just suspended their operations. But here's the thing. When you have somebody test positive for COVID, that means their roommate has to go into quarantine most likely. That means any player that's been in close contact with them has to go into quarantine. And that means they can't participate in workouts. So the number automatically moves higher. And it doesn't matter if they get it or not, or they test positive or not. That's the protocol. And that's the way they're trying to keep college football and and other athletes safe as they get back to work on these campuses. And so I think one for SMU football, I mean, it's a matter of time. I mean, honestly, before somebody tests positive for COVID, as Dallas opens back up, as cities around the country open back up, 
players and and staff alike are just going to go out more. And and it's all about being as smart as you could possibly be when you do go out. Whether that's for groceries, I mean, the grocery store, I think, is one of the most, quote unquote, dangerous places you can go during all this. So whether it's for groceries or whether it's just going out and, you know, going for a walk around the neighborhood or something, if you pass somebody, you got to be careful. And so I, I think one, I mean, congratulations to SMU football, I think right now for having a very limited number, you know, or, or, or not having anyone at all, excuse me, that has tested positive for COVID-19 to my knowledge as of the recording of this podcast. And now it'll be something to monitor as they go through summer workouts and and as they add more members of the team back, uh, which I think is around next week, that should happen. And then you add even more back in after the 4th of July during that second summer session. So the wheels are kind of turning towards college football and there's going to be a lot of worry as we see these cases pop up. And I, I do think we'll see college football happen this year. I think barring a, a kind of change in course of, I think, either A, where the disease is at uh, from, a, from a national perspective, and then two, I think a lot of people are assuming the risks here, right? SMU had the players sign a, a waiver, and here's, here's my take on that too, is that they're coming back for voluntary workouts. So they're voluntarily coming back. The school should have them sign something, and, and I think when it comes to returning for voluntary workouts, SMU's also made it very clear from players I've talked to, from coaches I've talked to, that if you're not comfortable coming back, that's okay. It's not a disease that I think a lot of people have to be all gung-ho to take the risk and be around potentially trying to play college football. And so if you, there are some players at SMU that haven't returned yet and those reasons are that you know they're not ready to yet and it's not something that they're getting chastised they're working out on their own they're in team meetings they're just not back on campus yet and that's okay and so it's it's been a really good response from SMU I think handling it that way nobody's scholarships in danger nobody's you know gonna get uh, chastised or kicked off a team or things like that everybody's got to deal with this in their own way I think that's the reason why one of the reasons why we're going to see college football in the fall is because eventually it's just going to become something that we all kind of live with, you know, and and pay attention to, but but also know that there are just risks in getting back to your daily life and things like that that you're going to have to do. And, and one of those is taking the risk of playing college football. If you want to play college football, it's a risk that you're taking. It seems like all the most of the athletes are relatively um, – safe from it, I would say. I mean, whether asymptomatic or very mild symptoms. And so I think as that starts to kind of move forward, you'll you'll see kind of the return uh, and, and people kind of take these positive tests with kind of a grain of salt, but also the same care that they've shown nationally, I think, overall. And most programs have tested their players when coming back. I mean, Houston's the only one that hadn't really been doing that, and, and obviously their their situation got shut down. So I'll answer some of the questions that people have right now in terms of COVID-related questions. Uh, first, first question uh, is, uh, do we have college football this year? And I, I said this earlier. I said, yes, I, I think that uh, there is college football this year. I think there's too much money on the table. I think players 
who have dreams of playing in the NFL know that they have to play college football this year. This isn't a situation where a lot of the returning players, there's only, gosh, probably a select few that could theoretically take a year off from playing and then go as high as they want in the NFL draft. Um, So I do think there's college football this year. I think there's a number of reasons for that. And I think ultimately the players have shown that they have the power and ultimately enough players will play. And that's kind of the the thing that I um, point to. And then I think people ask about uh, is Tulsa going under or are they going to leave the AAC? I really do think that it's all kind of overblown when it comes to that. I mean, there's there's going to be shortfalls. There's going to be issues. But ultimately, I, I feel like there, unless there's a school like UConn, which I think eventually just says, you know what, screw it, and, and drops down a level uh, and, and goes to maybe FCS at some point. I mean, you're, you're, they're just not going to be able to compete at a high level with where they're at. And, and I think they've shown that in recruiting. I think they've shown that just as a football program overall. So um, I, I think if you look for new candidates to join the AAC, it's, it's the same crew. I mean, I think Boise State, uh, Colorado State's always rumored, but I don't think they want to go that far west. I think Boise has enough staying power that they're the only school that's way out there that I think uh, they would really want to add uh, into the mix. And and then it would just kind of be a situation like when UConn was in it where, okay, all right, this is the year we've got to go up to, up to play UConn. Uh, you suck it up and you take the long plane ride. And so I, I think one, uh, you know, Mike Resco is going to have some decisions to, decisions to make eventually. Uh, I don't know when that is. I don't want to get into a realignment talk because it's just awful. And obviously with everything going on around the country right now, I don't think many schools are really going to disrupt the waters. But that's that's just me uh, and, and my opinion on that. And uh, finally, a um, couple questions around the conference that are kind of related to this, I think. Do I think uh, that UCF is on a, a downslope and Memphis, Cincinnati, SMU will be the new teams to beat in the AAC? Well, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, UCF didn't make the conference championship game last year. I think a lot of people are placing their eggs in the Josh Heupel basket and the Dylan Gabriel basket, and and I'm not necessarily in that boat. Uh, I think UCF has uh, the chance to kind of slide back a little bit behind the Memphis, the Cincinnati, and SMU now. What will Cincinnati look like after Luke Fickle departs ultimately for a, for a Power 5 job? That'll be interesting to, to see. Memphis, will Scott, um, uh, will, will Ryan Silverfield be able to keep the program where it's been at? Obviously, this year he's got Brady White and Kenny Gainwell and DeMonte Coxie back. And so that's a good starting point for them to be able to do that. And then SMU is certainly on the rise. And, and, and Navy is always kind of in the mix Houston's got to bounce back if they want to be back in that conversation. But I, I do think UCF is is definitely on a downslope. The only thing is that, and, and this is where not having divisions anymore might, might kind of help this argument, but it, it's, it, it might be easier for them to slide back in the conference without the divisional uh, argument. You know, Cincinnati and UCF were always at the top of the other division. And now it's just, okay, who are the best teams? And let them battle it out for the conference championship. And so that could mean that UCF ends up being fourth or fifth in the conference this year, depending on how it plays out. 
You've got Memphis, Cincinnati, and SMU that are all going to be there, and so is UCF. But if they play like they did in some of these close games last year, they've got a chance to end up fourth or fifth in the conference. And that's just a matter of them all being in one division. And then how does that look? Like SMU had a great year last year, but the way they finished with two uh, conference losses, I mean, they weren't in the you know top upper echelon just of the of the standings and and that's just kind of how it goes they were third in their division and that that's just kind of how it how it goes and it sucks but that's how it looks and you know i think uh, obviously they they land i think probably around fourth or fifth in the conference when you break it out if it was one division like it is now so it, when you start finishing third or fourth in a division or, or fourth in a conference when the standings come out, that's tough. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do think UCF's probably the one on the downslope. So, uh, and finally, another kind of COVID question, what would happen if UIL canceled high school football this year? Again, I think I think cooler heads are going to prevail. I think you, what you're seeing is people be as careful as they can possibly be right now with summer workouts and that's why you're seeing programs press pause and that's at the high school and college level and the NFL is encouraging guys not to be around each other and I think that's in part because all of those levels want to be playing in the fall and I think they'll just kind of take the lumps that's just my opinion and and I think there there could be schools that say no but ultimately high school football players got to play They've got to showcase themselves at some point, and and I think parents are going to win out in that respect. And um, you know, I I think that's the thing that I kind of hold on to is ultimately people got to showcase themselves. That's at the high school, that's the college, and the NFL certainly has to make money. So uh, that's kind of my take on that. And uh, we will move on from all the COVID talk. But overall, I think SMU's done a really nice job. We'll see kind of how things go. I think it's only natural at some point this summer we see a positive test on the football team potentially, uh, but that's kind of how it is, and and they'll handle it appropriately and, and like they have been. I think when you look at SMU and how they run their program right now, I was talking to a couple people, and the players show up. They run in the stadium, so they're outside. They're socially distanced. It's small groups. They work out with cause. They do agility drills. They do conditioning. And then they leave. They're not even allowed in the building right now. So players are still kind of working out on their own in the weight room, uh, from what I understand, uh, or weight rooms outside of uh, SMU. And that was what was told to me. I'm supposed to be allowed to go over there and and witness it all uh, this week. So uh, weather permitting, it's kind of been weird in Dallas. But uh, overall, I mean, these guys are in and out. They're not allowed to shower. They're not allowed in the locker room. So I mean, SMU's being as careful as they can be, and I think they're the beneficiary of that so far. We'll continue to track that as the summer rolls along, but for now, we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast. We'll come back on the other side of this break. We'll preview the quarterback position and get back to some more of your questions. Quick reminder before we hit the break, subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast, hit that review button, and uh, leave us a rating as well. And so uh, hopefully... Uh, we'll continue to get some more feedback on the pod and and continue to make it better for you guys. But for now, we're going to take a quick break from the pod and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, as well, to subscribe to Pony Stampede for just a buck. We've seen plenty of people jump on board looking for that VIP team and recruiting scoop as the summer rolls along. It's kind of that quiet phase almost that we've been in. Uh, which reminded me of really right before the month of May when SMU kind of had a, a really quiet uh, time on the recruiting trails. They kind of stayed patient. I see the same thing going on right now for the most part, them being really selective. Uh, I do think uh, they're in for a commit or two later on this summer, but we'll just kind of continue to monitor that for you guys and give you the latest feedback and uh, recruiting scoop. We've been going out to some camps here lately and, and seeing guys work out as they get back to preparing for their senior year. Wanted to quickly remind everyone that I think you'll see a large number of decommitments across college football this coming year, and it's going to be very natural. I mean, guys haven't been able to visit places. They haven't taken official visits. Obviously, there will be coaching staff changes at some point this fall as well, uh, which is really just kind of natural. But overall, a lot of these guys have jumped on board to kind of save spots. Now, I think you look at SMU's class, and they've got one of the best chances to keep their class together. They've got to win. They've got to continue to add key pieces like a Savion Bird, uh, who's still out there in the Duncanville area as one of the top offensive tackles in the country and, and certainly has a who's who uh, of who is after him. But SMU still holds the crystal ball edge there for Savion and I don't think he's anywhere near to deciding, and I wouldn't blame him. And and some people on our board have, have said, hey, you know, oh, gosh, I wish he'd just stop and commit. And it's like, do you, do, you, do you want that, though? I mean, because there are some guys that were ready to make their decisions. I think Isaiah and Wokabia was ready to make a decision. I think Monte Dawson, guys like that, Brandon Epton, obviously Preston Stone, plenty of others. But if the guy isn't ready to make a decision yet, that could ultimately hurt SMU if he just committed and then they've got to try and hang on to him. Sometimes it's a little bit tougher than you guys think to, to do that. And if he's not ready, he's going to be more apt to look around and want to look around. And SMU wants him to make the decision when he's ready and he's ready to be locked in. And so uh, I, I'm still pretty confident he ends up in the SMU class. But if he doesn't, the board is going to go to an absolute melt uh, over a top 100 prospect uh, going to an Oklahoma and LSU or somewhere else that 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 you know, heads off to a college football playoff every year. And look, I, I, I think for Savion, he's just got to stay patient with it. I, I think it, it's his decision. I don't have a problem with him waiting it out. I don't have a problem with any of these guys waiting it out. We're in a national pandemic, and a lot of them haven't been able to visit where they want to. So let them do that. Let them make the call, and uh, we'll see how the chips fall. But uh, SMU still sits in a very good spot for Savion Bird as the summer rolls along. Now, 
I think at the quarterback position for SMU, as we get into this preview, they're in as good of a spot as anybody in the country. I mean, you've got Shane Bouchelle coming back for year two in the same system with his top targets in Reggie Robertson and Kylan Granson back. They've got four or five returning starters back. They've got plenty of depth on the offensive line that can push a lot of those players and make them better. And then they've got a trio of running backs that they really like uh, in Tyler Levine, Ulysses Bentley, and TJ McDaniel. So this offense, as it adds Danny Gray and Thad Johnson and Calvin Wiggins and Rasheed Rice and guys like that back into the mix, has a chance to be pretty darn incredible this year. And Shane Bouchelle and the job that he's done, I think this offseason just as a leader is what is really going to show uh, that um, the fruits of the labor. And, and not only the work he's put in just, you know, I think during this pandemic, but off the field. I think the guys just have a, such large amount of respect for him that he's poised uh, to uh, have a chance to break some some career records at SMU and, and and to top what he did in 2019. And I think the higher percentage throws, I think simplifying things will really help Shane Bouchelle entering his senior year. Sometimes for a senior, it's just best to simplify things. He's been around. He's played a lot of college football. And I, I think SMU is obviously going to go as Shane Bouchelle goes. But the good thing for SMU is more often than not, he's on. And when he's on, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Looking beyond Shane, Terrence Gibson and Will Brown and Derek Green all set to battle it out for that backup backup role. And I think last year we really saw um, Terrence kind of take that role. And and Will Brown redshirted and he, he battled an injury and he played a lot as a true freshman and uh, obviously went in at halftime uh, in the Michigan game as a true freshman. But when you look at what Terrence brings to the table, he's explosive. He's got a big arm. Uh, that ball really hums and whistles when it flies through the air. And he was coming off of a torn ACL last year, or excuse me, before uh, he got to SMU as a senior. His his senior year was cut short by an ACL injury. And all he did was come in, was limited as a spring participant uh, on uh, the hilltop, but ultimately he won the backup job from Will Brown. And I know SMU wanted Will Brown to redshirt and, and an injury kind of derailed his shot at some playing time down the stretch, I think. But overall, I mean, Terrence Gibson, he's explosive, uh, he's competitive, and he's uh, really developed nicely. Now, uh, what will the competition look like in 2021? Terrence Gibson is going to have a lot of say in it when, when Preston Stone gets on campus. Will Brown, I'm interested to see what they do with him this year. He's obviously got to eventually uh, get a chance to battle for the starting job again uh, in 2021. Will he wait around for that? I think that'll be kind of something to watch. 2020 will be uh, his redshirt sophomore year. So after that, he'll be a redshirt junior. And theoretically, I mean, he could graduate in three years and move on and have two more to play. But that's just more speculation. I think Will feels like he can compete. He played as a true freshman. He played on a big stage, uh, made three starts. And and while I think the teams eventually kind of caught up to what, what SMU would do with Will Brown, he's still, I mean, a really good model teammate. He's done everything they've asked of him. And, and so I think he's going to get a, a, a chance to compete for the backup job, of course, this year, and eventually a chance at the starting job again. 
Um, what will that look like again? That'll be the interesting thing. And SMU, they've got some depth now at quarterback. Derek Green, the walk-on, the son of Trent Green, is somebody that they're still really high on. And uh, he, he you know, earned a scholarship this, this spring. He played in three games as a true freshman. He completed one pass uh, and, and had three carries for 39 yards. And, and I think he also tossed an interception. Yes, he did. Um, so he tossed an interception as well. So he's still developing, but as a walk-on guy, as a depth guy, they really like Derek Green, and, and he brings a lot to that room. I think the quarterback room at SMU right now is as strong as I've seen it, and and there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of competition. I think that's a credit to the coaching staff and what they have brought to the table on that front and, and pushing these guys. Um, but overall, I mean, big things expected from Shane Bouchelle this year, and uh, anything less uh, will, will probably be a disappointment. Uh, if he doesn't have the year that a lot of people are expecting. Now, we'll close up with uh, some rapid-fire questions, and then I'll give some initial thoughts on the basketball 2021 recruiting class to round things out. Uh, Any chance I can help get the MLB season canceled? Nope, but I wouldn't mind not seeing baseball, uh, even if it is uh, one of the the few sports that's trying to come come back as well. Uh, I'm all about the NHL and uh, that returning ASAP and... um, Will the Stars make it to the Western Conference Finals? I'm going to go with no. I think the layoff is going to be uh, very interesting, and I think there's going to be a, a total mess of teams that make it late in uh, the playoffs uh, system that the NHL is implementing this year. Uh, I don't follow the NBA, so I can't even comment on the Mavs, but I'll say they they win a series. And should the PGA fine Bryson for so, slow play, uh, no, he can't really help it. He's 240 pounds now, but he's yoked and hitting the ball about 350 yards. So they shouldn't find him. He's just got to drop some weight and move a little bit faster. Finally, a real question. Uh, early basketball recruiting class predictions. This is just an absolute treat for me to get to do. We dropped some tidbits on Pony Stampede over the weekend as far as what the options are, some of the early options for the 2021 class for SMU. And I'll say this, I think one player that I've got pegged that early on I could see SMU landing is Jalen Smith, the Orlando Oak Ridge point guard. Yafet King has been all over him. He wrapped up in a a, a virtual visit with SMU. His offer list suggests that SMU should be able to win the recruiting battle with the likes of Siena, UNC Wilmington, and others. And he's got a lot of ties to uh, the program. Uh, Yafet King and his dad played high school ball together. So Jalen Smith, a 6'3 guard, uh, is somebody I've got pegged right now uh, to land at SMU. Just haven't put a crystal ball pick in for yet. I think Marseille Caston, who's a familiar name for those who have really followed basketball recruiting over the years. He was on the Each One Teach One team and uh, SMU is monitoring him late in the 2019 cycle. He ends up going junior college. Average 15.3 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 2.1 assists per game. Shot uh, shot 45% from the field as a freshman. He'll end up uh, having an SMU offer for sure and and being somebody that they recruit heavily here uh, from what I understand. And um, I really like his game. I think he's really fast. I think he can push the pace. And uh, obviously coming off of a a really good year with a really strong uh, Northwest Florida State College uh, program up there in the junior college ranks. Another one 
uh, that I'll keep an eye on here and 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 say that SMU has a real good chance to land is uh, Jay Francis, Javier Francis, out of Houston Westbury. They're they're battling the likes of Houston, Louisiana Tech, North Texas, and others. Uh, he's a 6'8", 200-pound forward. But I really like where SMU stands early on from what I've gathered. And and he's going to be somebody that they're going to have a legit shot to land. And they were on early. They were one of the first schools to offer him. So uh, I'll give SMU some credit. Those are three names that I could see ending up in the 2021 recruiting class. I could also see them going with a couple of transfers to kind of round things out. I could see five to six players in that 2021 class. So with that, guys, I'm going to wrap up this edition of the pod. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, keep it locked on Pony Stampede. Plenty more to come uh, on uh, whether it's team or recruiting. We're trying to keep you guys as up to date as possible. And uh, as 4th of July looms, a little vacation ahead, uh, and then uh, really hitting it hard on the other side of that as we get ready for football season. I mean, it's right around the corner. Before you know it, uh, we'll be talking about fall camp in, in just a little bit, uh, a little over a month. So keep it locked on Pony Stampede. Hope everybody has a great rest of the week, and thanks for listening.